Hey, welcome to the Trapital Podcast. I'm your host and the founder of Trapital, Dan Runcy. You're about to listen to a conversation that I think is a must listen to for anyone that works in media, entertainment, music, or any of those connected fields. I talked to Datavio Samuels, who is the CEO of Revolt. Datavio joined the company in 2020 and became the COO, and then a year later was promoted to the CEO position. We talked about a number of topics. We broke down Revolt's position as a Black-owned media company and some of the opportunities that it has as a company, but also some of the challenges too. Tatavio brings us behind the scenes with some of that. We also talk about some of the pivots that Revolt made last year as well. For years, Revolt focused mostly on hip-hop content, but shortly after George Floyd's murder and the uprisings that happened with the Black Lives Matter movement, there was much more focus on social justice. So we talked about that decision from a business perspective, but also from a platform perspective and how he's led the effort in that area too. Revolt itself, though, as a business is at a very interesting juncture. You have this rising digital content company that has some great shows, and we talk about a number of those, including the Crew League, the upcoming show Off Top, and more. But there's also this cable side of the business that has had its struggles, and Diddy himself has talked openly about that, and Datavio brings us behind the scenes to talk about what it's like to run a cable company in 2021 and some of the challenges they face there. We also talk about leadership and how Databio himself has been able to establish himself as a leader at Revolt, but also how it's been navigating that landscape when there is this larger-than-life figure like Diddy that is the chairman and how he's both been able to learn from him but able to establish his own place in the company too. So if you enjoy the episode and this is your first time listening, make sure that you end up subscribing so that you'll get future episodes or go check out the back catalog of old Trapital podcast interviews and episodes. Or if you've been listening and rocking with the podcast for a while, make sure that you tell a friend about it so they can listen to it too. Here's my conversation with Revolt CEO, Datavio Samuels. All right. So we got Datavio Samuels here, who is the CEO of Revolt. And I feel like I'm now hitting the trifecta with the Revolt Combs Enterprises. Had Tarek Brooks on here last year, had Lindsey Reebling. So now we're three for three. Yeah, man, that's a good squad. We've got a good squad and it sounds like you're talking to all the right people. Definitely. Definitely. Well, congrats to you. I mean, you had joined the company a little over a year ago. You were recently promoted to CEO, which is exciting just given all the momentum happening. But I'm curious from that decision to join Revolt because you had a pretty good job at Interactive One. You're president there, leading things. What made you want to jump ship? Yeah, it's a good question. Let's see. There's probably two big drivers of why I end up leaving. One, you know, in full transparency, I've become disheartened by Black media. The more I was learning about the business model and understanding what we now will talk about is the systemic racism that exists in the machine, I was growing. Every day I was becoming increasingly disheartened about the chances for Black-owned media to succeed and thrive. And so part of this was this was kind of like my last shot at being in Black media, to be honest. Um, I personally fundamentally believe that the future of media is influencer, right? I believe that the world cares more about Puff and Cardi B 
and Will I Am than they do about ABC, CBS, and MTV. And I believe that the followings that Puff, Cardi B, and Will I Am have are larger and more engaged than the followings you'll see on those other networks that I named. So for me, I was seeing the future of media's influencer. The fact that Revolt has a global icon and one of the world's biggest influencers in the world on it is what made me make this bet, right? One last bet with an influencer. If it can't happen here, it can't happen anywhere, right? So that was that was one big piece. The other big piece of it, um, to be honest, is my father passed in February of last year. And um, really amazing dude. You know, I say all that just to say I'm sitting in his funeral and I'm watching how people talk about my father. And for the first time, I'm able to draw a straight line between his work, which was stepping into white centered spaces and championing black people and black culture in the world of academia. I'm able to draw a direct line from that to what I do, which is walk in the white spaces and champion black people and black culture and media. And at the time that I won, I won't say I was settling at all, but I was definitely not like on the offensive, you know, like you can tell the difference between how you're moving. And I definitely wasn't on the offensive. Like I may have been when I first got there and seeing that the fact that my father did this fight all the way up until the end, I don't think he retired until maybe 18 months before he passed kind of lit a new fire inside of me. Like, why am I slowing? down? Why am I being comfortable? And so it also was just a phenomenal way to extend and carry on my father's legacy, which is a new thing that's important to me. So all of those things brought me to revolt and it's been a heck of a ride so far. That's inspiring. No, that's a great story. And I just can see the passion and the connection for you with that. And in terms of that, like fire and that momentum, what does that look like at Revolt? I know that you've been there, you know, you're in the COO position. Now you're in the CEO, but like, how have you been able to carry that fire with you? Yeah, look, it's literally the perfect storm. So what I'll say is like the fire is needed. Sometimes you see an opportunity, you're like, oh, I need to light this on. Sometimes it's like, no, we need fire here. Um, so you take the combination of our chairman and the energy is he, he is on. Sean Combs wakes up every day trying to figure out how to make things better for Black people. You take the moment that we're in post-George Floyd with the death of George Floyd, he absolutely changed the world and he changed the conversations that we're having. Um, and now it feels like it could be some sort of like an inflection and a tipping point. And then you take this really amazing brand that we have at Revolt, which sits at the intersection of hip hop culture, which is absolutely driving global culture, as well as social justice. And it's, you know, I'm grateful every day that I got to walk into God's positioning and timing is so amazing. And I'm grateful that I got to walk into it in this moment. And so now I don't honestly have to do anything but be myself, all the things that I care about. Let's go change the world for Black people. Let's go change the world for Black creators. Let's not just cover the news and cover the media, but let's be an active fight and an active player in this fight for Black liberation. All of those things are needed and we get to do all of them at revolt. And so every day it feels like you wake up with tremendous purpose. It feels like every day we wake up, we have a chance and an opportunity to move and shift culture. And so the fire stays lit because the moment requires it, which is super dope. Mm. And I think it was important for someone like you to be in that position when you came, right? Because a few months after you joined was when everything happened after George Floyd's murder. And I think at that point, you had spoken about this in other interviews where the company did do a 
very focused shift towards we're not just going to cover hip hop. We need to be more encompassing. We're going to expand our base covering the social justice. We know that we might take a hit from some advertisers, but this is what the work is that's important. And I think that needs bold leadership that's willing to do that. And obviously that's part of the what drives you and why you're in that position in the first place. Yeah, I'll say, you know, first of all, Revolt is on fire like I've never seen before. Part of that winning streak, you know, that we talk about is that we literally watched our audience double in social media and in the digital spaces. We would attribute a lot of that to that pivot that you talked about. You know, prior to the death of George Floyd, we were really light on social justice content. We weren't doing that much of it. Um, Again, seizing that moment, um, Revolt could only do one thing, which was lead a revolution. The question was, which revolution should we lead? I joined on June 1st. George Floyd died late May. Soon as he died, I jumped in with the team and we made a pivot towards 100% social justice for that time period. And it fundamentally changed the DNA of the company. We found purpose, we found our soul, and the audience absolutely responded. And so uh, we are committed to that fight. Being in the fight for social justice is 100% now part of our magic and part of our DNA. The audience is responding and now brands just get it. And, you know, I was in a conversation the other day with a major player in the media space talking to all the people who buy media. And they were talking about, well, what do you say to brands who are concerned about brand safety and don't want to be around your social justice content? And my answer was that you should go find somebody else to partner with, right? Like, this is who we are. We're not going to take our foot off the pedal. We care about our community more than we're going to care about the money. And we know that if we do what's right for our people, the money will come. And what's right for our people is for us to be deep in this battle for social justice with them. Mm. And I would also think that from everything that happened last summer too, there was a bit of a shift in that mentality, right? Because I think a lot of people had that same perception that no, don't talk about social justice. Don't talk about these things. The dollars will dry up. But I think we just saw so many brands that were vocal brands. I didn't even think about that would put out a statement that did. And it was good to see. I would think that that then lends itself to you all being able to double down on that effectively with the right people. Yeah. So what I'll say is prior to George Floyd, nobody, nobody wanted to be around social justice content. Mm-hmm. Post George Floyd, has there been movement? Absolutely. Is it a hundred percent of brands and a hundred percent of advertisers? Definitely not. But has there been significant movement? Absolutely. One of my favorite case studies is State Farm. Um, State Farm was one of the first to come on and be a real partner with Revolt in a very real way. And they did it around Revolt Black News, which for a lot of people would be uncomfortable. And I think it was uncomfortable for State Farm as well. However, their commitment to the community, their commitment to what Revolt thought was important for our community was broader, was bigger than that, right? And so, um, you know, we've worked out some things and worked out some kinks so that everybody can feel comfortable. But just seeing that there are brands like State Farm who are extraordinarily conservative, but are willing to step up and partner with a company like Revolt um, is a testament to them first and foremost, but it's also a testament to how much some of this stuff has actually moved over time. Right. And with a brand like State Farm specifically, given how much they've benefited from partnering with culture, all the stuff that Translation has done with them, with the Chris Paul, Cliff Paul and the Steph Curry and stuff like that. I'm like, you all can't be silent now and you've benefited so much from this. So I'm glad that they stepped up. 
Yeah, you look, I'm always one of those people that's like, if brands don't step up, like I'm the first one to call you out, but I will also be a champion of the brands that do. And as, a, as it relates to Revolt, State Farm has absolutely stepped up. They've been great partners. Mm, that's good. That's good. So switching gears a bit to the business side of things, I also feel that this has just been an exciting time for you to be leading a company like this in digital media. And I think there's just so much that Revolt has done there. But I also know from the other side of the business, you also have this cable business that I feel like in some ways was challenged just based on the timing of when it launched. And I know that Diddy himself has been quite open about just some of the systemic roadblocks that have been there. How has that been navigating both sides of the business? Yeah, it's a phenomenal question. So what we're doing right now is absolutely making an aggressive move to expand our digital footprint. We know that that's where our audience lives and breathes. That said, we also recognize that what one of the things that makes us extremely unique and differentiated in the market place is the fact that we do have a cable network. It's the fact that we do have distribution in that way, right? Not only are we the only definitive brand for the culture globally, but we're the only brand definitive for the culture with a distribution platform on cable. So it makes us unique, but you're a thousand percent right in terms of the, the challenges that we're up against on that side. So we'll talk about it in this way. First and foremost, the distributors have to be able to put Revolt on their cable boxes, right? And when you look at it today, Revolt, is in 50 million households. How many households are there? 100, 110, right? So that shows you that half of the people still aren't even giving our people access to our content Mm -hmm. because they're unwilling to pay. Even in the 50 million plus homes that we're in, they'll put us on such a high tier that Black people actually have to pay more money to get access to Mm -hmm. Black content, which is a problem. And so then you're up against, you know, so now you've got limited distribution against what other people have, like the the Viacom platforms, the VH1s, the BETs, the MTVs, right? You've got limited scale. But then they want you to get measured via Nielsen metrics. Well, Nielsen metrics cost hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. And so, you know, the issue that we were up against was advertisers didn't want to pay unless you were Nielsen rated. Why am I paying to be Nielsen rated when the distributors aren't even giving me all the coverage I deserve? Even when they do do it, a lot of them are giving me terrible standing and terrible tears. So you want me to pay to show people that I only have half the distribution, right? That I should have. And that's the only way for me to make money. So anyways, the, the, the system has absolutely been broken. What is being, what I'm watching be reconciled is the advertising side of it. They're no longer demanding ratings. They understand our cultural influence. And so they've come an extraordinarily long way. The distributors, we still have tremendous problems. Find an MVPD with five black owned cable networks on it. You won't. You'll find find 50 Latinx, you'll find hundreds of general market, find me one with two or three black owned cable networks. So again, I'll champion the people who show up for us, the AT&Ts, the Comcast, the charters, right? Those people have shown up in a real way, but there's a lot of them. Cox Altice still don't carry us. And there's tons of black people in their regions, right? And so that has been a struggle and continues to be a struggle. Yeah. 
I could see that. And I think that is probably just also challenging too. You mentioned so many of the strong Latino Latinx channels like Univision. That is such a huge company that has had such a strong foothold for a while. And Telemundo, like there are many platforms there for you all. It's like, no, like there are other opportunities besides BT or Byron Allen besides those, but it's like, there's more opportunities there. And so I know that even though it is a slightly different audience that you may be hitting there, as opposed to the digital audience that, you know, very much a generation hip hop that you all have focused on, there still is value there. And it is frustrating to see. And I remember reading Diddy's op-ed on that. And then hearing you speak about this, it's just like, damn, like the cards really are stacked. Yeah. Look, I had a conversation with the CEO at one of the companies last week and they just refused to carry us. Now, mind you, what they would have to pay for us is probably one one hundredth of what they're paying for ESPN and AB. So the price isn't even that high. And so it's incredibly disappointing to be in this moment in time where the world for the first time feels like there's a bit of censoring blackness where Revolt is creating content that is delivered. Like Revolt Black News is giving them information, education, the things that they need. And it's incredibly disheartening to walk into these rooms and CEOs look at you and say, no, I can't afford the two pennies to put you on. Meanwhile, I'm paying dollars, you know what I mean? Right. To these other people, it's extraordinarily frustrating. And that side of the business, we have to find a way to fix. Advertisers, again, they're not perfect, but you can see tremendous movement. The MVPD side feels incredibly broken to me right now. Right. Like the, to your point, the carriage fees are not that high, right? And it's not that high. there are other companies out there that I'm sure get less pull that aren't necessarily, you know, get hitting the same type of challenges. So that's exactly right. In fact, they're probably increasing the price they're paying for them. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's bad for us. So either you are ignoring us and we're not there. So black people can't get access to the content. Or when we are there, you put us on such a high tier that black people have to pay more to get that. That is a broken system. Something's wrong. Right. I agree. I agree. I do think on the good side, though, and where the excitement, at least the trajectory is from the digital side, I feel like there have been some exciting things. And even just the combination of both content and commerce there, you have the content and we're going to talk about the crew league in a second because I've been watching those. I think those are awesome. But then the Revolt Summit, too, I think that is just a good celebration and a recognition of a lot of the conversations, even some of the tense ones that I think are important for people to be able to have. Yeah. Yeah. Look, the content that we're, that the team is dropping right now is so phenomenal. We've made a a tremendous pivot in terms of our content development strategy and it's paying off. Look, you know, Revolt, again, most black owned media companies are operating out of scarcity. So we have two pennies to rub together. That said, we're basically trending every single weekend between if it's not the crew league, it's respectfully Justin. If it's not respectfully Justin, it's drink champs. The work that the team is putting out right now, regardless of how small our pockets are, is touching the culture. And that's all that matters to us. Mm. And in terms of the success of those brands, you know, whether it's drink champs or it's the crew league, what are the metrics that you're measuring? Because of course there's the objective things everyone can see, whether it is views or engagement or virality, but what are the most important metrics for you? Yeah. So you, you hit it. Number one is we're just big on engagement, right? You're sitting in the middle of a content explosion where millions of pieces of content are dropping every second Mm -hmm. and you need to know that you broke through, right? So that's number one. Number two is again, what makes revolt different is we are a cultural brand. And so the other thing we're just measuring who from the culture is taking notice. A lot of that is a pool thing, right? So, okay. The crew league is out. 
who's calling to be on season three? We've got some big names that are calling, right? The, uh, respectfully, Justin is out. Who's calling like, yo, that last episode. And you want the people, but you want the influence of the culture to be paying attention and taking notice as well. And so that's the other thing that we look at. Did we break through this ridiculous content explosion and the people who move culture and drive culture do they want to be a part of it? Did they see it? Did they recognize it? Do they love it? If we do that piece, then we know we're onto something. Mm. And I could see that from the crew league specifically from who you had in season one, who you had in season two, and even the way it's scripted. Like you can tell this is something that was tailor made for social media and tailor made for that type of engagement, right? People want to see Russ and Jack Harlow or whoever else like go at each other, right? Yeah, that's that's exactly right. Yeah, you're 100 percent right. And I think we'll you know, um, the talent has been amazing. We'll probably be able to level it up a little bit as we step into season three. And I think even season one was to your point, it was literally built that way a little bit more. That's why you have people like uh, Kid Leroy, right? Cast that had mm. that YouTube kind of flow trying to bring them in. So now, like, you look, the league is extraordinarily interesting. This season looks good. It's fun. I think people will be excited to see who makes it to the championship. And again, just proud of the work that the team is doing. I should also say we have tremendous partners on the other side of the crew league, Eli and Jordan, who um, are ex-employees of Puff. So I don't know, you know, I don't know how many people know, but there's this tremendous family story where Eli and Jordan used to work with Puff. Now we're all in business together with the crew league, the world's first hip hop basketball league. And so that's also quite a nice story for us as well. Nice. That ties it all together. That's exactly right. And I feel like in general, this is something that people have been asking for. I remember myself, I went to NBA All-Star Weekend a couple of years ago. It was down in LA and Adidas mm-hmm. had had this event where they had a bunch of rappers playing five on five against each other. It was like Wale, it was uh, Chris Brown, Snoop was there. And it was like, this should be videotaped and this should be content yeah. itself, not just for the people that got invited to this thing. So I'm yeah, glad. I think that's right. Right. We have rock and jock back in the days and we were a little bit younger. So there's been these kind of hints at this thing. I think what makes the crew league special is this idea that it's not random. It's not rappers randomly being cobbled together. What makes the crew league special is it's the rapper who gets to pick their team. So it's the rapper and their brother and their security guard and their cousin, which allows people to bring a different type of fight to the game. And it just ultimately gives you a bunch of different bragging rights, right? When you're cobbled together randomly, it's like, Oh, so-and-so said, no, this is your team. You put your team up against X, Y, and Z. Right. And so there's a, different level of pride. There's a different level of bragging rights, but the show is extremely exciting. Literally, we're trying to figure out, you know, most people don't do three seasons in a year. And that's the big question for us. Like, should we come back with the crew league with another season this year? It's performing phenomenally. So we'll see. Nice. Any names you can announce for season three? No, there's a huge name that I wish I could, (laughs) (laughs) but because the paperwork isn't signed and I don't want to blow anything up uh but you know we, we brought big names out for season two and i feel very confident that the team will be able to deliver the same for season three nice that's great that's great so what are some of the other uh programming and content that you have ready for the rest of the year 
Yeah. So, you know, we at Revolt, we're just trying to play the game differently. So most people in cable operate on a kind of like a, a fall, right? September release, January, winter schedule. We're just trying, like we move with the culture. So we're just trying to drop hits every single month. So you'll see some stuff come back. Fat Joe show should come back in Q3. But I'll tell you some of the, you know, two of the projects that I'm the most excited about that we're working on right now. One is a show called Off Top. And so Off Top is a rap video countdown show. So reminiscent, maybe of some folks who might remember Rap City back in the days and MTV had several Yo! MTV jams, right? People have had rap countdown shows. Those haven't existed for a very, very long time. So we're going to bring it back. We're happy to announce that we'll have Big Tigger and Rhapsody as our host, which is super dope. So Big Tigger gets you that nostalgia from back in the days when we used to do countdown shows. And Rhapsody just, you know, to be honest, women in hip hop are crushing right now. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and you know, and, and not just crushing because they're beautiful or attractive, like they got bars, like Rhapsody has bars. And so she, for us, just represents the future, the future being women with dope lyrics and dope capability. And so excited to have that show come back. We don't have the basement or anything like that, but we have people doing these freestyle performances. We have a creative director named Dunny, who is brilliant, has a really amazing eye. And so I think what we're going to do is elevate what these kind of freestyle performances look like in the market and should be super dope. And then the other thing that we're working on is with an amazing young black man named Tarzan, the real Tarzan on IG, if you want to look for him. But this is basically a brother who's doing all the stuff you see in National Geographic, swimming with the sharks, running with the bears, sleeping with the pan you know, the Panthers, that type of thing. We've seen it happen, but we've never seen it from a black man. And this is a young black man, tatted up, well-built, you know, looks like hip hop. He's hip hop. He's got our attitude and our swag. And so working on a show with him that we're super excited about that'll be coming out a little bit later in Q3. And then the last thing that you mentioned already is the Revolt Summit. So, you know, it's corn. Last year we did a virtual summit because we had to. This year we'll be able to do a bit of a hybrid. So just excited to bring the summit back bring it bigger, better than ever, but then also excited just to get people back into the stands, back into the room so we can feel that energy that the summit creates. Nice. And for the summit, are you going to have, because I know you've had one in LA and one in Atlanta, right? So I'll give you this little kind of sneak peek. We are heavily concentrating work in Atlanta right now. We love what's going on in Atlanta There's no real Black-owned media platforms there, yet it is a new kind of Black Hollywood that exists out there. So much of hip-hop music is coming out of that ATL trap sound. And so what you'll start to see from us over the next few months is a major concentration on Atlanta. It's a big bet for us. So whether it's Summit, whether it's filming off top, We've got two great brothers, Big Facts, out there in Atlanta who we have a podcast and a video show with. And so more and more and more, you'll just start to see us making a bet on Atlanta because we believe in it. Doesn't mean we won't be other places, but it means Atlanta, Atlanta's about to be home. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense, just given everything that's there and the potential. And for the past year, Atlanta has not stopped. I mean, for better or worse, COVID <laughs> did not stop <laughs> Atlanta, man. Now, Atlanta's been turned up. It's been lit out in Atlanta. <laughs> the one time I went, I was honestly ready to get back on the plane. But uh, Combs Enterprises, Sirac De Leon, they've done a ton in Atlanta during COVID. I know our chief chairman was out there in Atlanta. So, you know, we've been touching Atlanta even during quarantine because to your point, it was open. But now we're about to find a different way to build out there. Right. Yeah. Tons of potential there. 
I want to switch gears now. I want to talk a bit about you running the company overall, and you have a bunch of exciting things, as we just mentioned. And there's a lot that I know is also challenging you need to manage as well. But I'm curious as a CEO, because you do have this position of power where you're doing a lot of things. But I think it's a unique position in some ways, because you do have this larger-than-life figure of Diddy that is the chairman seeing things over. And to some extent, you know, Tarek's also seeing things over, too, as president of the organization. And obviously, I'm sure the relationships and the connections are dope there. But what is it like, both from, like, an autonomy perspective, but also being able to execute your vision? Yeah, look, it couldn't be better. Let me see if I can attack that one by one. So starting with the chairman. The chairman, um, Sean Combs, is really an amazing leader for me. He does a couple of things that I think are perfect for someone who has my type of personality. He inspires me to dream. So he is consistently pushing me to dream bigger, go further, go higher, raise the bar higher. And so, and and I love that. Like, I love that I get that from him. Um, He also just is like the king of encouragement. So I always say like, anytime I'm with the chairman, when I walk out of the room, it's like he puts a battery in your back and you feel like you can just run through walls. And so that's what he is for me. You know, he's in this really amazing point in time in his life where again, I think he's waking up trying to figure out how to help black people. He's using himself, not about ego and help himself, but about creating a platform for others. And so what a wonderful time to be um, with him on this journey in this moment. And then Tark is amazing. You know, I think Tark will go down as an unsung hero when the world sees what Combs Enterprises was able to do with the team that Tark largely built and selected. It's going to be amazing. And I hope he gets his flowers because he's doing a phenomenal job. And then also just for me, he is an incredible coach mentor and brother and then you know the last thing that you talked about was kind of like my sense of autonomy and i would say i absolutely feel like i have autonomy i'm one of those people who can't be micromanaged all bosses deserve to be in the business of you know whoever's overseeing their business i don't know where my break is it's like you can be in my business five percent it's all good there's a break somewhere 20 percent to 25 percent i'm nowhere near that break both Sean Combs and Tark give me plenty of rope to hang myself and then end up being great coaches, mentors, inspiration, and the people who just keep pushing me to do more and more and better and better. So for me, it's a phenomenal trifecta. Mm, that's great. Yeah. And I mean, they just seem like good people that you know, want the best. And in many ways, they're just so busy that there couldn't even be the time to, you know, get in some of those details, even if they wanted that's, to. <laughs> that's exactly right. Sean Combs is working on a hundred things for black people. Tark is working on all of those things, plus all of the other businesses. So yes, everybody's got their hands full and everyone is trusting Um, people to do what they're here to do, which is take whatever piece of the pie you own and change the world for Black people, but let's change the world in general. Mm. And I think in some ways it presents an opportunity for you too to be able to step up and craft a vision because I know that there has been some leadership turnover specifically with Revolt and that can obviously, you know, internally present a great opportunity for someone to be like, hey, no, this is the plan. This is the vision. Let's put this into practice. This is where things should be. Yeah, 1000%. So um, I would say, you know, big dreams, like we talk about being the world's most powerful black media empire. Those are dreams that were dreamt collectively. I don't even remember where it originated. I don't know if 
the chairman came up with it first, Atari came up with it, but those were kind of collaborative. And then since then, all of the rest of it, they've kind of given me the freedom to paint. Mm-hmm. And so just painting out what that vision is and what it looks like, again, with the chairman just pushing me to dream as big as possible. And then Tar just being the one to provide the guidance for making sure that we get there with speed and urgency. So yeah, man, everything is going well. Again, I just feel so blessed. Right time, right place, right people. It's magical right now at Combs Enterprises. And um, there's no other place I'd rather be. Yeah, it's it's an exciting position, especially right now, for sure. And yeah. I think too, there was something that you had spoken on in an interview I listened to. It was talking about leading internally and leading as a Black-owned media company and even some of the challenges there. I know we talked about the cable piece, but even in the digital media side of things where you had said that people will often compare, okay, well, why can't you all pay what X company will pay? We're not, we don't have to give any free ads here. We all know the other companies, but like, why can't you all pay what X pay? But like that also stems back to this thing of like, okay, well, who are the companies giving the ad dollars to and all those things? And that's something that I know has been something that's been top of mind for you even before Revolt but it's something I've heard from other people and it's something that's real. And I can imagine just how frustrating that can be because that is this cycle that obviously you want to break. That's why you want this to be as successful as it can be. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, it's 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 incredibly frustrating, right? We're here for our people. We are here to elevate and uplift our people. And so it's frustrating when they don't get to see that. To your point, the core challenge is not that Revolt doesn't want to pay people. The core challenge is that despite the fact that Black people and Black culture drive, whatever you want to call it, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80% of culture, Black-owned media companies only get 1% of the pie. of the pie is for all of us. It basically means that Black-owned media companies are on the brink of extinction. And so we don't have the money to pay because the advertisers historically have not been giving it to us. They've been giving it to the other people who we shall not name. And when they're getting checks for millions of dollars, of course, they can break off um, other people. And so, yeah, recently, you know, there was one woman in particular who I won't call her out, you know, went into social media and Twitter and got, you know, some 15 minutes of fame talking about how Revolt didn't pay which was bananas. She was even talking about we didn't pay for news. Most people don't pay for news. If I call you right now to go be on CNN, they're not going to write you a check, right? So not only were we getting in trouble for not paying as much, we're getting in trouble for stuff that nobody else is paying for either. But we're fixing it on our side. So what we are doing more and more, despite what our checkbook looks like, we are trying to pay the price that is commensurate with the value that these people bring to the table. We have to prove to the market that excuses don't matter anymore and that enough is enough. And so you just got to fix things. And so on our side, we're trying to fix the way that we work with talent, pay them what we think they're worth, which might mean I get to make a little less content on the side in the short term. I believe that in the long term, it'll all work itself out. And then again, I will say that the advertiser side, the 1% side is doing a much better job of having conversations around why 1% is ridiculous and how we have to get much higher and much closer to a number that is reflective of the investment that Black consumers give them. That's what we're saying. Whatever Black people are giving you, you need to make that same type of reinvestment in the Black media. Right. And I think that talent piece is an interesting piece of this too, because I know you had mentioned in the beginning of the episode how the brands of a Puff or 
Cardi B. These are the people that people are following now. In many ways, they become the face of the brand. And even how they're getting paid is changing. And in some ways, they want more money than ever. I mean, there's all these stories about the podcasters that once they get some clout, they want the ownership, they want the copyright, and they want the sizable money that comes from the checks. And it's one of these chicken and egg type things because it's like, okay, did the platform build the person or did they build it themselves? It's always a combination of both. But I do think that the monetization and the business model for talent is going to be a consistent conversation that's going to continue to come up. Yeah, it's really interesting, you know, in a way that I'll say it at Revolt is we're just trying to build, build deeply and in a way that is fair and equitable. Again, we're going to try to set a different standard for what exists. So every deal that we've done with talent where we've collaborated on the actual idea, they get a check for showing up, you know, for filming. They also have some sort of participation in the upside of the IP, whatever may happen with it. And then they also get some sort of participation if advertisers and sponsors come in. So we are trying to set a new standard again with not half as much money, not even remotely close to half as much, but the fraction of the money that other people have, we're trying to set a standard for how we believe Black creators and Black talent should be treated. And it's working. And then the second piece that I'll say about that is as we are building with this talent, we are also willing to double down in the places where it works. So I mentioned Big Facts earlier, where we have a phenomenal video show with them that airs weekly on Revolt. They just started moving into Big Facts Live, where they're now doing live events in Atlanta. Well, guess who's there with them? We're there filming, helping them make sure they get the live production off right. right? So we're going to double down on Big Facts as they grow. So we just want to be a platform for creators. For us, it's not about saying Revolt's the only ones with the ideas of Revolt. No, no, we're here for the culture. We're building this platform for the culture. Come plug into this operating system. We're going to make sure that we share the wealth and like, let's do something amazing for the culture and our people. Right. And I think too that you mentioned the upside and being able to have them have upside on that, whether both the ownership and the revenue that comes in. And I think that in a lot of ways, even if it may work out being the same or it may work out being, you know, like something close from a price perspective, that's what people value. I mean, even at the highest levels of this with Issa Rae or Michaela Cole having the discussions with the HBO or Netflix about trying to get ownership stakes in their shows, it's the same thing. And in some ways, there is a symbolism there just of like, no, we're not just going to take this from you and there's value in that. But also, yeah, they get to ride the wave. And I know that this is tough. This is obviously something that is very germane to the music industry in general. And there needs to be some type of compensation or some type of thing to offset the risk that it's taken on too. But yeah, this is going to be an ongoing conversation. Yeah, I'm glad that you understand the risk side because that's what a lot of the talent doesn't get. It's like, bro, I'm putting hundreds of thousands of dollars into this thing, right? Mm-hmm. But you're right. You know, at the end of the day, America has a storied history of exploiting Black genius, Black bodies, Black hands, making billions of dollars and sharing none of that with the Black people who were the genesis for, for the creation. And so, again, we have to begin to set a different standard. You think that, you know, look at the the world that hip-hop built, and let's figure out of that world how many Black people made it out as millionaires, how many white people made it out as millionaires and billionaires, right? And we fundamentally believe at Revolt that in the same way that that hip hop has dominated the audio world. It'll dominate the video world. And so that's why it's important for us to get it right from the beginning. Like, no, this is a partnership. No, this is a collaboration. There are no masters and slaves. Let's build this thing together. And if it pops, we all win. Like, let's change the way the game is played. Mm, Definitely.
Now, look, we may wake up in five years and I may be going out of business because we gave too much money away. (laughs) I don't don't really know. But like at this point in time, it's like you just got to do what's right and you got to do what's right for you. Right. That would be something we see revolt out of business. But all these creators got paid. I don't think that's what will happen, but that would be something. (laughs) Oh, man. And I think, you know. It makes me also think about the future. I think we've talked about a few different areas with video, with podcasting, the content, the events. And I feel like there's so much and all of those things make sense and they're the right way to do it. I wonder, are there any areas that you haven't delved into that you want to that are on, you know, on the roadmap for the next few years? My brother, that's a long conversation. Are you kidding me? We out here trying to build the world's most powerful empire. So you've got to have key stakes and key places, right? We talk a lot about building a black Disney, right? And you think about Disney, who's the, the largest entertainment company in the world. And you look at all the things that they have, everything from sports, ESPN, dedicated sports channels to dedicated studios that are best in class at what they do. Pixar for animation, Marvel for superheroes, news, ABC news. You think about Disney world, Disneyland, you think about all of the things that they do from a merchandise and a product perspective, bruh, like all of those things, like we're coming, you know what I mean? So I think in the most immediate and the short term, uh, we're definitely excited about podcasts. It's just trying to figure out how to do podcasts in a way that everybody else isn't already doing it. And so, you know, when, when we come in the game, we want to come in the game for real. We don't, don't want to just come and build a, another. We want to come and build like a dominant force. And so podcast is something that we're working on. And the other thing that I'm personally super excited about is our studio business, right? Revolt is not a cable network. Revolt is a lens. Revolt is a perspective. And that perspective is valuable for a lot of people. Yes, it's valuable for our audiences. We run things through our native channels. Yes, it's valuable for advertisers. We launched the branded content studio this year that's doing amazing work for brands like Adidas. But it's also valuable to all of the streamers who have popped up, all of the cable networks who are programming. Like, I'll give my content. Look, I'll do a deal with FX or, you know, like there's so many people who want to be in this space, Netflix, Hulu, Apple. And so we need this studio business. We believe it'll give us a quantum leap in our business as well. So, and then of course, you've got to do like the e-commerce and the merch play, especially right now, the brand is so hot. I was in the elevator the other day, rocking my Revolt hat. And this dude just kind of looked over me like, yeah, I see you. Nice hat. You know what I mean? He didn't know I worked at Revolt. He just thought I was rocking the Revolt hat. And so uh, we've got to get in that game. So anyways, there's so many things to be done. The world is, it's really an exciting time right now. Mm. Yeah. The Disney vision is legit. I get that. And I I see the future with that. I think the content licensing piece could be huge, especially with the studio. I mean, you have the content there, you have the engagement, you know, yeah. What does this look like on effects? Hulu. I think that's really smart. Yeah. And then thank you, brother. And I'll tell you the other side about it that that we're really excited is this idea that we want to start telling stories that are not just based in you like best based in the black U.S. gaze, right? We want to tell stories from across the diaspora, right? The more and more we look into it, we believe that in our history, there are blockbusters. And so we want to tell the story of Mansa Musa, the richest man to ever live in the world. We want to tell the story of Atlantis. Did you know that Atlantis is just Ethiopia, that Europeans found it? 
decided it was too beautiful to attribute to Africa. And so they gave her the whole new name, like it was some far off place in the ocean. We want to tell all of those stories, right? Like we believe that the path to freedom is largely anchored in the world of storytelling. And we want to create this media empire that can tell those stories and change how, one, how Black people see ourselves, two, how the world sees us, us meaning not Blacks in the U.S., meaning all one plus billion of us, right? The entire diaspora, West Indies, Africa, those in Europe, all of it. We want to tell those stories. That's the dream, man. Mm, I love it. You got to dream big. And I think that stuff is attainable too. That's what I like about (laughs) y'all. That stuff is attainable and it's big dreams. Well, and Dan, I love, sorry. I like, I love that you said, because that's how it feels. It feels attainable. It feels like they all feel like, you know, they'll talk about like big, hairy, audacious goals. They all feel like that, but there's not one day I wake up and think it's not possible. It's going to be a stretch, but I believe a hundred percent of it is possible. Definitely. And I'm glad you're the one in that position, man. It's a good look. It's Thank a good you, look. King. <laughs> well, Tatavio, this has been great. You dropped a lot of gems in this, but before we let you go, is there anything else that you want to plug or anything we didn't mention that you want to let the Trapital audience know about? Definitely tune in to Off Top. It's dropping mid-July, so I want to make sure that you that the world sees it. I think it's a really exciting thing to bring back a rap hip-hop countdown show, so please definitely tune into that. Get ready for the summit. AT&T is a phenomenal partner. We're in the lab crafting and designing what we believe will be a really amazing experience, so please make sure you keep your eyes on that. And then just keep watching, and I want to say that to the world. You know, advertisers are saying we can't bet you know, 10% of our money on black media because there's not enough inventory. And I'm looking at them in their face like, that's what you think today. Keep watching. And so I want the rest of the world just to keep doing the same. Keep watching, seeing what Revolt is doing. Every day, new opportunities open up. Uh, We're dreaming big. We want to create change. We want to revolutionize things for this world. So please keep an eye on us. Please support us everything, every way that you can. And just know that we're out here fighting for our people every day that we wake up. Yes, sir. Appreciate that, man. Right, That's good. Appreciate you, man. Such an honor to be here, King. Thank you. You too, man. Appreciate that. If you enjoyed this podcast, go ahead and share it with a friend. Copy the link, text it to a friend, post it in your group chat, post it in your Slack groups, wherever you and your people talk, spread the word. That's how Trapital continues to grow and continues to reach the right people. And while you're at it, if you use Apple Podcasts, go ahead, rate the podcast, give it a high rating and leave a review. Tell people why you like the podcast. That helps more people discover the show. Thank you in advance. Talk to you next week. Thank you.